I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless. Siakam, 6'10". Not only is he an all-star, he's a rising star, he's a champion. He's already a two-time All-NBA player. And, as of last week, he's no longer a Toronto Raptor. Basketball fans in Toronto are heartbroken today, and that is because the Raptors are saying goodbye to one of the greatest, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam was traded to the Indiana Pacers in a blockbuster deal that for many marked the end of the team's 2019 championship era. If you see this photo and go one by one, Kawhi Mm -hmm. and Lowry and Van Fleet, and they're all now that core group now gone. So what direction are the Raptors headed in? How well positioned is Toronto going into this summer's NBA draft? And how are fans feeling about saying goodbye to arguably one of the most beloved players in franchise history? To talk about all that, our longtime Raptors watchers here, Alex Wong is a freelance NBA writer and the author of Prehistoric, the audacious and improbable origin story of the Toronto Raptors. Alex, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate this. Are, are you in deep mourning? You sound like a man who might be uh, in mourning with, with this trade. Yeah, you know, the Raptors haven't made me or the fan base really happy this season. So I feel like I'm reflecting the entire fan base's mood here. Before, before we get into the trade and what, what it's meant for the Raptors, though, I, I want to start by talking about uh, Pascal. You know, why is he so special? This is a guy who... This is a guy who was, you know, going to go to school to be a priest, right? He kind of stumbles into basketball and then becomes amazing at it. So I, I guess, you know, like t- take me through his story. What what made him feel like more than just a player to Toronto? Uh, yeah, I think, I think you touched on part of it. He did not start playing seriously professional basketball until he was 17. And mm. about a decade later, he's an NBA champion amazing. with the Toronto Raptors and not just an NBA champion. He was the second leading scorer on the team during the championship playoff run. He <laughs> scored the game-clinching basket in the championship clinching game. Drives, gets past Green, throws it up and in. Pascal Siakam makes it a three-point. And for a Raptors franchise, that's always emphasized being great at player development, mm-hmm. being able to spot players that maybe other teams don't think that they can develop. Pascal Siakam is the best development story in the franchise's history, and I don't think anybody would dispute that. So the president of the Toronto Raptors, Masai Ujiri, he talked about the trade the other day, and he, he got really emotional about it. It was, it was actually really lovely. Yeah, two African guys that won the championship, share that with him. He said that Siakam's success is his success, no matter where he is. All NBA, all All-Star, all everything, championship. And it's not stereotype championship. 
of Africa and waving the flag on the bench, uh, scoring, contributing, yeah, doing everything you know uh, that you can think of. Uh, that's, again, I say to you guys that that guy's success is my success, no matter where he is. It was, it was just a great moment. Yeah, I think one of the one of the best traits about Masai is that he does take this more personally than another general manager, another president of a basketball franchise would. Now, mind you, Masai can be as cutthroat and as cold-blooded as anybody else. We've seen him trade some of the most beloved players in the city, DeMar DeRozan, as the prime example. But you can tell when Masai goes to the podium, when he talks about these players and he talks about the team, that there's just such a huge emotional attachment for him to these players and to the success of the franchise. It's really clear how Siakam's become, you know, a fan favorite. He he's just incredibly affable, right? Like just just a generally lovely human being. There, there's actually this amazing moment when our team, the, the front runner team, was at the OVO Athletic Center. We were taping an interview with uh, former Raptor Fred Van Vliet, and this happened. Hi, we're with CBC. Hello. Oh, shit. Oh, hello. Sorry. <laughs> oh, hey, what's happening? <laughs> Oh, they doing the podcast with Fred? Yeah. Oh. No, I'm like, that's kind of like caught me off guard. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. They call me Wine Take P. That's my name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so can you tell me, Alex, what, what are the specific moments from Siakam's, you know, Raptors career that, that you think fans will, will remember? I think for Pascal, his first time making the All-Star team was a very special moment just because of part of the journey that we discussed earlier. Oh, no, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Man, I, I can't tell you anything right now. We're talking later. <laughs> I'm still in shock right now. For him to take this path as a basketball player and become one of the best players in the world was just something that the city and the fan base really came together to celebrate. Uh, I think, you know, you can't forget the fact of him during the championship run, winning the championship, you know, him celebrating with guys like Fred Van Vliet, mm. guys like that he came up with in the Raptors organization to go from player from in the Raptors 905 to a player on the bench to a starting player on a championship team. I think there were so many of those great moments. And and mm. I think people will forever remember Pascal, you know, at at the NBA Finals and, and in the championship parade. Now, you've been around large crowds before, but is anything compared to the crowd that you saw here today? Say it one more time. You've been around large crowds before, but does anything compare to the crowd you oh, see? Oh, no way. This is the best thing I ever seen in my whole life. It's, a, it's incredible. Spicy P! Spicy P! There was a there was a moment kind of like a the the, the inverse of that where you know he, he so he wrote a letter in the Players Tribune a few days ago and there's this beautiful moment he's talking about you know early on in his career looking out at the crowd hoping to see a 43 jersey in the crowd not seeing it for a long time and then seeing that first one and just kind of like you know <laughs> secretly freaking out inside and then watching the number of you know his jerseys appear in the crowd over successive seasons and then knowing that that's going to fade right that those jerseys will get fewer and fewer 
over successive seasons from here on out. I, I found that a really beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah, I think I think strangely, you know, because Pascal has been in these trade rumors, thinking about what his next NBA destination might be. It's it's really made him very introspective and really mm-hmm. reflect on his time here in Toronto. I think even before the trade was made official last week, and and I think one thing Pascal doesn't have to worry about is based on his legacy here, he will be remembered as a top five all time Raptor player. Like I couldn't imagine playing for any other team than the Toronto Raptors. Like that's something that I like I, I didn't even dare to think about. And the moment I had to like start thinking about it. It's probably one of the hardest times because in my head it was like difficult to to just think about the idea of leaving. Um, It never crossed my mind because I thought I'd be a Raptor forever. You know, you think about a Vince Carter, you think about a Kyle Lowry. Sometimes I think Pascal, because at times his personality can be a little bit more understated. He prefers to be more under the radar. He's not always celebrating on the court the way other players does. I I think maybe at times he didn't stand out. But when you stack together his resume with all these other great players that have come through with the Raptors organization, like Pascal is right up there. So obviously, you know, Siakam is really important to Toronto, but but he's also talked about how important the city is to him too. Can, can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think in his Players' Tribune essay after being traded, he talked a lot about, you know, the multicultural nature of Toronto, the different people that he was able to meet, the different communities that he was able to tap into. And I think it speaks to mm. who Pascal is as a person as well. You know, the work that he's done with his PS43 foundation, he's always looking to tap into these different communities to give back to the youth. I just want to be remembered as someone that gave everything to the city, um, not only on the basketball court, but also outside of it. PS43 Foundation, creating a platform that's going to help the community. And to me, like, that's my legacy. Like, obviously the basketball accolades... You know, Masai talked at his post-trade press conference as well about how Pascal would approach him about how to help out more with Giants of Africa and other initiatives that MLSC had. Yeah, you know, Pascal would come to me and ask me about Giants of Africa. He'd go to Larry Tannenbaum and ask him about rights to play, you know, like and how he wanted to, um, how he wants to grow um, his foundation and some of the things he wants to do. You know, like when you look at a guy that has that kind of impact or, uh, or that kind of um, capacity uh, in our league, um, it's something. It's- I think for Pascal, Toronto just became a second home, it wasn't just the fact that he was playing for a basketball team in this city, is that he appreciated what this city meant, what this city represented. So I think there's a much deeper appreciation, um, you know, with Pascal, with the city of Toronto than just being, you know, putting on a Raptors uniform. One of the things that really stood out to me when he's talking about how important the city is to him is just like coming here and not, not really, you know, knowing how he's going to settle into it. And then kind of starting to realize how diverse the city is that he he and his brother would go to like African food stores and there'd be a, a brand of fried plantain chips that they really liked and that would kind of remind them of home or there's meat that his brother liked for a particular dish and he could get that and he connected to he could still connect to his culture here and I don't know there's just something about that that really you know really connected with me. There was a lot of speculation swirling around about the possibility of a trade, especially last week. But but then, you know, it happened. 
And so what what are the Raptors getting for letting go of Siakam? Yeah, what the Raptors... I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer vital health questions that will help you thrive, like, what does my mental health have to do with my gut? How can I prevent melanoma? How much sleep do I really need? And how can I manage my health without a family doctor? I chat with the top experts to bring you the latest evidence in plain language, all in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. ...ended up getting was three first-round draft picks, uh, a few you know, potential prospects, and then a player in Bruce Brown who uh, won a championship with the Denver Nuggets last year, is one of the best glue guys in the NBA, and you know could potentially be traded for... More assets, you know, Raptors are heading for a rebuild. So what mm-hmm. they wanted was a combination of young players and and draft picks. And because Pascal is heading to free agency this summer, you know, Masai wasn't really in a position to have that much leverage. So given his positioning, uh, he was able to get what he wanted. But I know there's a part of the fan base that, that is disappointed at the return, given the caliber of player that Pascal is. Mm. So this is this is like a pivotal moment. This is This is more than just, you know, one one final, you know, player from the, from the 2019, uh, championship leaving. It's, it's, it's a chapter closing, right? An end of an era. Yeah. And I think that plays into the emotion that Masai Ujiri was showing last week. And I think for the fan base too, because since winning the championship in 2019, slowly the players on the championship roster have moved on with Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol. You could go on and OG and OB being traded. <laughs> earlier this season and now Pascal Siakam. So yes, this is an end of an era. And I think slowly fans have had to accept coming from that championship high that this is just part of the cycle that all pro sports teams have to go through, losing a core group of players and having to confront the fact that it will take time for this franchise to rebuild and to bring in better players Mm -hmm. in, in order to get back to those heights again. So, and it's not just players, right? Like, we've had a switch up in coaching, too. Breaking news in the NBA. The Toronto Raptors have fired their head coach, Nick Nurse. It closes the book on 10 years in Toronto for Nurse, including the past five as head coach. His biggest achievement there was... Yeah, you know, Nick Nurse, who coached the Raptors to the championship, parted ways with the organization, ended up joining the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Raptors wanted to move in a new direction, play with a new system. Masai talked a lot about there being too much selfish play last year. He wanted to have more ball movement, sharing of the ball, so he brought in Darko Ryakovich, who's been an assistant coach in basketball circles for over a decade, gave him his first chance to be an NBA head coach and you know the Raptors aren't winning a lot of games right now but they are changing the way that they're playing they've had very high uh, recorded games of very high assists they're moving the ball around mm-hmm. now you need better players to be able to you know combine that system with better players to actually win but they've brought in Darko to try to change their style of play for this season and, and so you know presumably that the player change coaching changes this is all necessary because it hasn't been so good right Yeah, the past two years have been very frustrating. Last year, the team made the play-in tournament and lost to the Chicago Bulls. This year, they are well below 500 and looking like they're going to be on the outside looking in for the playoffs. You know, the, the... 
the objective for this team now is to build around Scotty Barnes, um, who you know has emerged as a star player mm-hmm. this season, and that's part of the calculus of why Masai has decided to finally move on from players that he he you know got really attached to, like OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. I just want to go back before we move on to, you know, looking forward to the future here. Take me back to to the 2019, you know, championship team. How important was that, Toronto? What what did that mean for the city and for for the Raptors in general? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, for the Toronto Raptors, it really legitimized them because they had been one of the most successful teams during the regular season for a decade leading up to that point. Mm -hmm. But teams are only measured by championships. And for them to bring a championship to the city of Toronto, you know, if you think, Further out, you think about, you know, the championship drought that the Toronto Maple Leafs have gone through. You know, the Toronto Blue Jays have been waiting <laughs> since the 90s to, to win a World Series. I think it meant a lot to the city. And I think it meant a lot to this next generation of kids in the city who want to play basketball for them to get so involved and, and to see a team in their own city succeed. You know, I think sometimes it's really hard immediately to measure the impact of that. But you're going to see 5, 10, 15, 20 years out in the same way that you see NBA players, Canadian NBA players today talk about how much it meant to see the Raptors, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I think you're going to see the same impact. Okay. So let, let's, let's look ahead to the future now. So it, it wasn't that long ago we were, we were hearing reports that actually the, the Raptors we're not into doing a reset or a teardown or a rebuild. That's clearly changed. So, so what are the factors that have changed? What, why this pivot? I think the team just underperformed the last two seasons. I think Masai believed that some of the players from the championship team, including Fred Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam, combined with the drafting of Scotty Barnes, was going to give them a path forward. And unfortunately, the pieces just did not mesh. I think individually, they're all great players, but they weren't able to find that chemistry the same way that we saw with the 2019 championship team and, and Fred Van Fleet left in free agency last season. And, you know, OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam were both due for huge contracts this summer and Masai had to make the decision based on what he saw on the court that he did not want to bet Mm. on building this core group going forward and instead he's going to move forward with a different group with Scotty Barnes as the centerpiece. And and do we have a sense yet of what direction Masai is taking the team in? Like do, do we have specifics of a plan yet? Yeah, well, one of the things, as as I mentioned earlier, them accumulating draft picks from trading OG and Pascal means that they're going to have possibly four of the top 31 draft picks in this summer's NBA draft. Mm. Now, so that could facilitate them getting two or three really good young players to the point where, you know, you could see a completely different version of the team next season. Mm. You know, right now, there aren't really specifics. I think we have to wait till the summer to see what direction Masai wants to take this team in. Mm. The the one thing I can say is, you, you, you know, I would look for the Raptors to continue getting younger on the right. roster for next season and beyond. So, so it really, it sounds like, cause you know, Scotty Barnes is what, 22, I think. And so it's, the idea is to get him set up with a bunch of peers and they kind of all come up together with him being the central pillar of that. Yeah. So this is really similar to kind of, you know, one really good example in the NBA is Oklahoma City Thunder, which Canadian basketball fans might be familiar with because Shea Gilgis Alexander is the best player on that team. And, you know, the, the Oklahoma City team have spent the last half decade basically accumulating draft picks, ticking young players 
and surrounding Shea with players that are coming up at the same time. So if Raptors fans want to look at a model, that is the model. And this year, the Oklahoma City Thunder, after, you know, half a decade of, you know, really struggling, are now one of the best teams in the league. So if there is a model, that's the model for for the Raptors. But again, I think the key thing to, to recognize is, you know, this is going to take some time. How are you feeling about this? You know, it's it's strange. Like you mentioned earlier, the the end of an era. Like you know, eras in basketball with pro sports teams, they don't just change overnight. Like it happens like this. It slowly kind of moves away over a period of time. And for the <laughs> Raptors, this happened from the 2019 championship until now, five years. Like, it took five years for it to really completely turn over. And I, I, and I do think it does take a little bit of time to accept the fact that because the Raptors have been so successful for mm-hmm. over a decade now, now Raptors fans and myself have to accept the fact <laughs> that better times, you know, will be ahead, but okay. it's going to be a little rough in the short term before we get back there. So it's 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 weird cuz like it's been a long time since Raptors fans have had to think about a rebuild. Right. So so I assume, you know, with a rebuild like that there's some trepidation, a little bit of anxiety, but but in in the near term, you know, before we get to that next phase of greatness, you know, uh hopefully, th- there's going to be a lot of interesting things. What what are you excited about in, in the near future? Yeah, you know, I think I'm most excited about what Masai Jerry and Bobby Webster in the front office are, are going to do with this team. You know, as successful as this team was, you know, they've really been in a holding pattern the past few years, hoping for their present roster to develop. And now they've opened up flexibility. They have draft picks. They have younger players that they can go out and get. They have different options in terms of what kind of players they want to put around Scotty. I think there's an excitement in that to to see a breath of fresh air, to see this team under you know a new leader on the court, a new style of play. I think I think optimism will come out of this, and I think a lot of it will hinge on on what the team does this summer mm-hmm. and what the team looks like heading into next season. Awesome, Alex. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's it for today. I'm Damon Fairless. Thanks for listening to Frontburner, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.